Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran, northeast Iraq, northwest Syria. Alighting upon a certain place, he passed the night there, for the sun was setting. So begins one of the most famous stories in the entirety of the Torah, the episode that we read this week of Jacob's ladder. The parashah continues, he dreamed, and lo, a ladder was set up on the ground, and its top reaching all the way to heaven. And lo, angels of God were going up and coming down, ascending and descending on it. And lo, Adonai stood upon the ladder. God blesses Jacob. And when Jacob awakes from this dream, he marvels, truly Adonai is in this place, and I did not know it. He was awestruck. How awesome is this place, he said. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. The emotion of awe is often the human reaction to the overwhelming and the beautiful, the encounter with that which is beyond speech. The rabbis have debated the meaning of these words, the words that were translated as he alighted upon this place for at least 2,000 years. They are special because the place is termed the gateway to heaven, the house of God. In the classic interpretation, Jacob arrives in Haran, and he realizes, having gone from the middle of Israel past Jerusalem, and arriving in Haran, he realizes that he's bypassed a place where his fathers, Abraham and Isaac, had prayed. He returns immediately to that place. And the rabbis say that God transported him instantaneously. Magically, he arrived at the city of Bethel. He transcends time and space in order to encounter that place called the house of God, which the rabbis interpret not as the city of Bethel, which is today's Ramallah, by the way, but Mount Moriah, where Abraham nearly sacrificed his son Isaac, the site of the first and the second temples. In the words, the house of God, we find what is classically known in religious studies as an axis mundi, a world axis. See, around this place in Jewish mythology, the entire world is supposed to revolve. And beneath there is the foundation stone of the world, heaven hashtiah, deep beneath the mountain. And the holy of holies was to have been in that place. From the creation of the world, this is the holiest place on the entire planet. There God's presence is manifest in no uncertain terms. No wonder Jacob was upset at having bypassed it on his way to Haran. If you knew about it, you'd be upset too. I miss the place where God dwells. God causes the sun to set early, and Jacob dreams this epiphany of God's presence as he puts his head down upon a rock. But Reformed Jews reject the rabbinic idea that different places in the world possess different levels of holiness, with the land of Israel, according to the Talmud, possessing nine out of ten measures of holiness in the entire world. And yet many of us have had holy experiences in various places. And people will tell you that they can return to a particular place, and that place will evoke the holy experience that they had there earlier. Reformed Jews focus on holiness like the idea in the Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they who live therein. So if the entire world is holy, according to the psalm, what was Jacob's revelation? Behold, the Lord was in this place, and I did not know it. 
because God is present for Reformed Jews every place we go. Jacob suddenly experienced a deep inside revelation. The holiness of the place struck him, struck him. It says, he alighted, he struck the place. He had placed himself in the position to experience something entirely new. By praying where his ancestors prayed, he felt something might happen. Here my father, here my grandfather prayed. Something may happen for me as well in this place. Suddenly the experience is no longer about Jacob. Now it's about God. In other words, the holiness Jacob experienced occurred because Jacob altered his orientation to the world. Feeling God's presence, being open to feeling God's presence, is not simply the place that changed, it was Jacob. Last week, many of the people in this congregation had just such a change in their lives. With the experience of writing in the Torah, many people said that they experienced something wonderful, something awesome, something they couldn't quite put into words. I heard it from person after person. As Jacob put it, how awesome is this place? And I did not know it. This is none other than the gateway to heaven and the house of God. We could put ourselves into the experience to discover a new level of reality, something that we'd not experienced before. The world is not as we had previously imagined it to be, but an experience uncovers a new awareness. God is in this place, by which he means I experience God in this place because I open myself to the possibility of that experience, even if then it took me by surprise. I can't describe someone else's experience. I can only listen to what they say. But I heard wonder in many voices. How did this occur? It was unanticipated. I was here and I had a moment that I'd never had in my life before. And I heard in that, frankly, but I had hoped for it, but I'd never experienced it. The wonder, the awe of a holy encounter that lifted individuals to a higher level of comprehension, a higher level of meaning, something that they had not anticipated and most of all could not explain. In other words, the experience of the holy is often without content. It's not entirely rational, and it's not entirely open to description. It's filled with meaning and the hint that there is a higher purpose, but often without an explicit direction of where to go at that precise moment, other than to know that life has been forever altered by the encounter. Ma hamakom hazeh. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. Jacob had the same thing occur. Having recognized how awesome is this place, this is none other than the gateway to heaven, he attempted, as we do, to fill the moment with content, perhaps to hang on to or perpetuate the experience. Jacob makes a vow to the God that he had just encountered. Here's what Jacob says. If God is with me and watches over me on this path that I am taking, and if God gives me bread to eat 
and clothes to wear, and if I return safely to my father's house, that's three conditions he puts on it, then will Adonai be my God. And this stone that I've set up will be the house of God. And all that you give me, I will dedicate a tenth of it to you. Okay, God, I got these three conditions for you. You deliver, and I'll be there for you. And not only that, but I'll come back here and I'll worship, and I'll give you 10% of everything I got. What a deal. In other words, Jacob interprets the divine encounter. His moment of epiphany, of encounter with God, as God's concern for his well-being. But then he sets out to test it. If God will provide for me, then I will be loyal to God. Encountering God, Jacob interprets experience very much as we would in our daily lives. He interpreted in terms of his own life, his own time, his own place. If God is concerned with Jacob, then Jacob will pay attention. See, gods in the Middle East of that time were considered to be powerful if they had a positive effect on someone's life. If they delivered rain and crops and good health at the right time, then they were powerful and deserving of worship. Jacob is not yet Israel, and he won't be Israel for another 20 years. One who struggles with God and triumphs, who reaches a higher level of comprehension of this encounter with God. He will not be spiritually prepared to lead until he's suffered more, until he's discovered what the presence of God in his life actually does mean. It's not as narrowly defined as he has it at this point. The reality of God teaches us that existence is not as we have known. It's not merely physical. We've been wrong. He'd been wrong in interpreting his own life simply in terms of himself. Rather, God breaks through time and breaks into this particular place. And this divine incursion into his life is simply a symptom of the fact that God's presence is always there. It doesn't define God's presence as he wants it to. Okay, God, here's the deal. I'll do for you, you do for me. No, it doesn't, the encounter doesn't define God. It's a symptom of the fact that God is always there. But Jacob fails to see that. And so it is with us today. Having felt God's presence at a particular time and place, in the Torah writing, for instance, we should become aware that the experience of God's presence is constantly available to us, and it can change our perspective on life. Let me give you an example. I'm reading Michael Pollan's book, The Omnivore's Dilemma. How many of you have read it? Nice book. In it, Poland argues, convincingly, I think, that all animals in the earth that support us have evolved naturally, don't say this in Kansas, by the way, have evolved naturally into a complex whole that fits together perfectly. Due to evolution, we fit into the natural world, and in being part of this natural, highly sophisticated system that fits together perfectly, we do much better in nature if we follow the system that has evolved over the last two and a half million years. He demonstrates, and I think convincingly, 
that industrial agriculture, the feedlots in western Kansas, for instance, are poisoning us because they are not in accordance with the way we've evolved for, like I say, something like two and a half million years. Paul is not arguing religiously. He's not. He doesn't seem to be a particularly religious man. But I'm reading it religiously. You see, I believe that God has set up this world in a particular way. So what I mean is, God created the world as a perfect closed system. And the world has evolved as God has meant it to be. And so this book has provided me with an encounter with the divine. Realizing God's presence in all things demonstrates that living in harmony with this world, in terms of everything I do, everything I eat, maximizes not only my health, but also my encounters with God and with every person around me. You see, for me, to admit that there is a God in the universe is to say, this moment has great potential in it. Now, can I realize this by knowing how awesome is this place? Each morsel of food, each moment, becomes more satisfying and more enlightening because it is filled with potential. The one moment encounter with God is not to be exploited for all of its earthly rewards as Jacob tried to do, right? How awesome is this place? God, here's the deal. You give to me, I'll worship you. No. You see, each encounter with God is simply a sign an indication of how the world actually works. But we overlook it. And we overlook it to our detriment. Because there is a wonder in each and every moment that says to us, we occupy just a small place in a reality that is far beyond our comprehension. But the divine is always available. How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and the gateway to heaven. It wasn't that he found the particular place. It was that he realized that that potential is in every place and every time. God is in this place. We did not know it. It's perhaps true of every time and every place we inhabit. The question is not God's presence, but as the stories tells us, of our awareness of the presence, of our awareness of that moment. May our search be rewarded with a renewed satisfaction of life in both time and place. How awesome is this place, and may we know it.